Hi, Scare Sharers. Hello. We are here again to share yes, some scares. We are. That is right. Because we enjoy sharing them because scaring is sharing. <laughs> Hello, I am Brandy Joe Planback. And I am Jeremy Rusk. Yes, you are. And I'm so glad to know you, Jeremy. I'm so glad to know you, Brandy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are sharing the things we love the most. And I, it makes me so happy every week. Absolutely. And you know, uh, while we're recording this, it's still not yet Halloween, but you will be hearing this after Halloween. So That's consider correct. us, consider us your Halloween hangover. But you know, for we horror movie lovers, the day after Halloween is just, you know, waiting for halloween again <laughs> like like ministry sang every day is halloween oh is that what they sang is it <laughs> yes so if none of you guys know ministry look up that song it's a good one are they like corn <laughs> <laughs> well you know funny enough i i would say they're they were an influence you know they've been around for a million years they started as like a a new wave-ish goth band and now they're a thrash metal like style okay. band but they've gone through some variations but one of their first hits was every day is halloween so i like it so okay speaking of corn have you heard about how um the the new children of the corn remake actually like filmed in the beginning of covid like it no one of, one of i don't know if it's like one of the only movies but i remember reading about it like early on in quarantine uh -huh. um or when COVID was happening and it, it, it has been made. Um, and it, supposedly it's from what I've read, it's less of like a straight up remake and more of like covering the story of these kids whose parents kind of like fuck things up. And so like with their future and maybe the cornfield. So they decide to like kill their parents. So it's more like that origin story. Oh, more so than I think like the couple arriving into the small town to find this all happened. Like, I think it's more about the, like, initial event. How the kids took over. Yeah. Okay. That's my understanding. Okay. Yeah, but, I, um, didn't, I didn't yeah. know they were making that. I do like the original Children of the Corn. I, I um, remember that jump scare in the beginning when the, the body, like, after they hit the person and then, like, the body sits up or something. There's, like, a jump scare that, like, really got me back in the day. Okay. And I, uh, of course, you know, Outlander. <laughs> and Isaac and Malachi are both so creepy. Like, both yeah. of them. Yeah. And I think of the South Park spoof with Carmen. Oh, I've not seen that. We have your woman, Outlander. <laughs> that, that's, is, that's a good one. The end is so bad with... Oh, it's terrible. When it's Isaac, the worst. like, turns into, like, a cart... Like, it's just... Cartoon so monster. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. I never got into any of the sequels either. I know they are uh, not good, generally. I know there are fans. If you're a fan of the Children of the Corn series, you know, try to educate us, please. But I've, I've avoided, like, all of the sequels. I'm definitely, like, intrigued by them, but not enough to watch them. Like, I am with the Saw movies. Like, I don't love any of the Saws, but I watch all of them because I'm intrigued by, like, mm -hmm. what the the trap will be. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a fascinating... I know what you're talking about, too, because I wouldn't say I'm a fan of Saw in general. Because um, I remember seeing the first movie and being like, that was it. Like, it wasn't... It didn't wow me the way it seemed to wow the world. I uh, know, me too. I think Saw 2 is a better movie than Saw 1. Um, I agree, but I watched it 
full disclosure, when I was in rehab, I watched it like for like the third time. And I was like, this is not great. Granted, you're in rehab, but then she falls into like this pool of syringes. And I was like, like, should we be watching this? (laughs) Triggering uh, uh, movie to watch. Yeah. Um, There's some children of the corn that has like Naomi Watts. It's like three or four. There's someone weird someone big and i remember the first one disturbing me as a kid like i remember like catching it on hbo certain like i remember someone carving like a a symbol into someone's chest and it just really like disturbed me but since i've tried to re yeah naomi watts is in part four along with good old karen black poor thing bless oh wow like how uh matthew mcconaughey and renee zellweger are in texas chainsaw oh yeah four (laughs) i want to rewatch that knowing how bad it is yeah if i'd have fun it's a great bad movie three is as well too uh texas chainsaw three has um uh vigo mortensen oh that's one of the villains and uh ken foray from Dawn of the Dead and from Beyond is the uh, one of the heroes in it. So I remember being very scared by three when I was a kid. It's intense. I was younger, and I especially remember the trailer because I saw it at the movie theater and yeah, I was so it's intrigued. Of, it's one of the greatest trailers of all time. The Lady of the Lake. From yeah, it's so random. It has nothing to do with anything, right? <laughs> no, it just no. happens. Yep, it's so funny. And then I got to high school and we did the Lady. Lady of the Lake, like there's, it's a poem or a lore. It's a po- poem, I think, based on mythology, I believe. She throws the sword is the original, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's like, where King Arthur Excalibur King Arthur. comes from. Right. Yeah. And we got there and I'm like, hey, this sounds really familiar. <laughs> it's because Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, or Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Maybe you should stage a uh, your own version of that, but with Leatherface. It's the story of <laughs> Leatherface. I think that could be fun. There could be. Um, Yeah. Did you ever see the remake of Children of the Corn? It was on like the Sci-Fi Network, the first remake. I remember the commercials for it um, because that would have been back in the day where I was watching a lot of Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, Okay. uh, But I don't think I watched it. I remember their Salem's Lot. Was it horrible? They they did. Rob Lowe? Rob Lowe was in it. And if I remember Donald Sutherland, I think was uh, the vampire, Count Barlow. That works. Um, it wasn't awful from what I recall, but it wasn't like anything special. It just felt like a Stephen King TV movie, you know. Have you read the book? I've read the book. So good. The book terrified me. Like, I, I don't, I, I think it's just because generally vampires are so mythologized and, you know, there's so much lore already. They're not generally a monster that's scary to me. Because I feel like there's like so much about them that you're like, yeah, this is how you beat them. It's like a comic book character. <laughs> like they got weaknesses, they got powers. But Salem's Lot, the book, it was utterly terrifying. I don't know. Stephen King just managed to make those vampires so scary. And that original movie, that one scene with the little boy clawing at the window was so uh, creepy. Yeah, yeah. The, the original movie is pretty good, I think. Toby Hooper, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed right. that. So, right. Yeah, and the window scene is, was burned into my brain as a kid seeing it, where like any noise at the window, I'm like, there's going to be somebody floating outside the window if I look with outside. Creepy eyes and a smile on his face. Yeah, because they do it uh, in... Um, Lost Boys, too. The floating oh, outside the window uh-huh. as well, where it's like, yep, too scary. Hate that. I've heard that they're going to possibly be remaking Salem's Lot like as a big budget thing. And I would be intrigued for an update there. I w- I, yeah, that is one I think is ripe for a uh, update. 
especially if you go back to the source material and stay close to the closer to the novel than I think that the other adaptations, you know, deviated from. Did you dive into Castle Rock at all? I have not watched it. I've heard great things, but haven't gotten there. It's so fun. It takes just like a lot of his stories and kind of puts them in a blender. Yeah. But then they're also not really like some of them are just like vague references or names, but it's so cool. It's it's a really fun series. This first season's a little bit more confusing and some people kind of get like worn down by it early on. The okay. second season's a little more straightforward, I find, but I really enjoyed both. Yeah, I'll have to check those out one day. Add them to the list. That's right. The Add growing, them, growing list. The growing, growing list. Maybe that's something we should do. Is there like a TV series, mini series we can watch yeah. and do an episode by episode? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> The, sh- the world's our oyster. The show is our That's oyster. Right. We're going to do whatever we want with it. Um, I gave up on Monsterland. We were talking about that. Yeah, yeah, Hulu. we did last week. Yeah, Like every episode, I kind of got a little less exciting, and then I just stopped watching. Um, and then I started watching Haunting of Bly Manor, and three episodes in, Joe gave up because we were watching it together. So now I've sort of picked that up on my own. It definitely, the third episode was slow as fuck. Got um, it. And everyone said like it's no haunting of Hill House, and and I don't ever go into something expecting it to be what it was previously. If it was, I I would hate it a lot. Mm-hmm. I want something to evolve and not just be the same thing over and over. Um, so I I'm happy with it being different. It just is a, a it's definitely less of a a fright fest and a little more of a drama. But I'm intrigued by it for sure. I'll have to pick that up. Uh, I do want to say um, that I have been working through, I picked up there as a big, again, Scream Factory, who are just this amazing label that they do so right by all of these movies they re-release. They did a box set of the entire Friday the 13th series. um, And that's all 12 of the movies. Uh, Blu-ray, deluxe edition, it's probably going to be the best uh, version of that release I, I imagine they'll ever do because there's just so much extra content and a lot of the movies have new transfers, uh, brand new restorations. So I've been going through those. I've watched the first four again. Yeah, my buddy Chris got them and was so excited. He sent me he's sent me so many screenshots of him watching it. He's like, it is so good. It's so clean and crisp. Yeah, it looks fantastic, especially since I've been re-watching them just on like the DVD sets that I've picked up over the years. These are amazing looking. Halloween, or not Halloween, sorry. We keep talking about Halloween. Uh, Friday the 13th, part three. Uh, rewatching that um, has, I think, one of the greatest lines ever in a movie, period, maybe. Oh. Um, Shelly, if anybody remembers Shelly, the nerdy character who loves special effects. Yeah, yeah, he pulls pranks on everybody wearing costumes and stuff. I rewatching it, I was like, if they made this movie today, Seth Rogen would be playing that character. For sure. It's like how (laughs) the type of dude he is. Or Jonah Hill. Or Jonah Hill. Uh, But there's the moment where uh, he does whatever prank, scares somebody, and it's like, uh, what is the, the buddy says like, Shelly, you're such an asshole. And he goes, I'm not an asshole. I'm an actor. <laughs> and I laughed so hard at that. 
I'm like, I forgot all about that. That's one of the greatest lines, I think, in cinema, period. So you see Shelly wearing the hockey mask at some point. He scares someone, but you never yeah. see Jason get the hockey mask. Am I correct? He's just all of a sudden wearing it. You're correct. You, there's, a, there's a vague moment where they leave it like... Uh, mysterious as to what exactly happened to Shelly. You just know Jason was in the room with him. Uh, and the next time you see Jason, he's put, he has the hockey mask on uh, that Shelly was just wearing, you know, in the scene before, so. And in part two, Jason has like long scraggly red hair. Yeah, but in bur burlap sack over his head. But at the end, when that sack is off, he has hair, right? Yeah, yeah, he's got hair. And then in three, well, he I has guess, no hair. I guess when, he, when you see him in two though, it's kind of in her head. Right? When he pops through the window, that isn't real necessarily. It's very confusing. So I get, because I was like, well, he has hair in two, and then three, he's totally bald. Yeah. Also, at the end of three, he takes an axe to the face, yet, and, and the coroners come in part four and put him in the morgue, and then he just wakes up in the morgue. So you're like, okay, I guess he got better. Well, he lived through a drowning, so he can do it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the Energizer Bunny of killers. <laughs> Because, <laughs> yeah, if he was, a, if he lived through that drowning, like, why didn't he come back ever to find mom? I mean, I've been saying that forever. I, I, I want, I, it's a franchise. I know there's so much extra lore, comic books and shit. I bet somebody explained what actually, like, if he was alive all the time, why was mom even killing people? Like, did she know he was alive or just assume he was dead and he became a hermit? I don't know. Yeah. Somebody it's help us out. Intriguing. If anybody out there knows that there's some piece of lore or fiction <laughs> written that explains this, send it to us. That's right. Scaring and sharing at gmail.com or shoot us a um, drop into our DMs, as they say on the Instagram, scaring and sharing. Slide in those DMs. Slide into our creepy DMs. But yeah, anybody uh, that is a fan of Friday the 13th, definitely look for that box set. I think it's still in print. Uh, I know it was a big seller and Scream Factory is raking in the cash selling that thing. But yeah, go out there and grab that. Uh, you will not be disappointed if you are a fan of the series. Yeah, I don't have a DVD player or a Blu-ray player anymore. Everything I do is digital, which saves on a lot of space and money. But at the same time, when something like that comes out, it's like, oh man, I bet there's lots of special features and commentaries that would probably be so cool. Yeah, I've partaken. over the years I've fluctuated between like how hard I collect and uh, I every so often I try and purge some space. Because um, right now I have like you know all these DVDs, but that format is like is DVD a dead format yet? You know, it's on it's on its last legs, and soon Blu-ray is just it's just a collector's market now. Um, and I know all the nerds are going crazy about what is it 4k blu-ray now and i'm like i don't want to upgrade to another format <laughs> it's such yeah. a pain in the ass so do you have lots of steel cases is that what they're called steel cases i never got in i do have a few but i know that's just in that would only happen if i find it that like i don't i'm not specifically looking for steel books but i know people steel love, books i know people love those so um no i just i try to own movies that um that I can't live without, you know what I mean? Like my most, most favorites are the ones I look to own on um, uh, physically so that I can rewatch forever and have that hard copy no matter what. So earlier we brought up Toby Hooper and I'm curious, mm. what is your take on, do you feel he directed Poltergeist or do you think Steven Spielberg more so directed Poltergeist? Oh, one of the great debates. I've read That's so right. much. I've read so much either direction. Um, oh, really? 
Yeah, because okay. I know there's there's some people that from the cast and crew that said Spielberg was very present on set and that he was hands-on, you know, with the direction uh, and writing and all that. And there's others, I, I, I think you can find some poll quotes and stuff from some of the actors that said, no, Toby Hooper directed us. Like Spielberg was there uh, in almost like a consultant, second unit director kind of capacity, but Toby guided the production. So um, I think the truth lies somewhere in between in most situations. I bet you it was kind of a, sometimes maybe Spielberg was taking more charge and other times it was more uh, Hooper's um, project, but uh, who knows? Yeah, I can't think of other situations where that is a a hotly debated topic of like a producer and a director and like which one really was at the helm. Like it's (laughs) definitely one of the ones, the only ones that comes to my mind. And um, so it's definitely interesting because it does have more of a Spielberg feel to it for sure. Yes, just like uh, I always throw it in with uh, the Gremlins movies because Mm. those, you know, both directed by Joe Dante and they do have Joe Dante's personal flair to them. But they're very um, Spielberg feeling too, since he produced, you know, produced those. So. And Joe Dante did Gremlins one and two. One and two, yeah. He he directed both of them. Have you ever seen that um, Key and Peele sketch about Gremlins two? Yes. Oh my god, that, that's one of the so funniest hilarious. sketches they did, and it very uh, intelligently sums up, you know, the making of <laughs> Gremlins two and. A lot of people feel Gremlins 2 is the greatest sequel ever made because really? of you know, some of the stuff it did. So I've read, okay. I've read, I've read think pieces on that where um, they go really deep into like the clever thing was he was spoofing the studio system and this and that. And, you know, you can go but deep in I'm Gremlins 2. Rewatch it because I, I haven't seen it since it came out. It's very meta. Rewatching it with a modern eye and, you know, the screamification, if you will, of horror. You're like, wow, Gremlins 2 went super meta before this was even a concept. So Joe Dante had one eye to the future, I think, on uh, where things were going, where audience tastes were going. Okay. Um, What have you watched this week? Oh, let's see. Um, I did want to, I did just... Moments ago, before we even started talking to each other, I finished up Halloween H2O. Okay. Uh, one of the great, that was my morning this morning, was watching that. One of the great Halloween sequels. Uh, I feel like it gets better with age. Every time, I know it got trashed a little bit for some years of being too, like, 90s, too of its moment, I think, in style. But I do think it's aged well as more Halloween sequels come out and time goes on. It's, uh, I think it's holding up. What's your favorite kill in it? I honestly, I think the best moment is when Laurie chops his head off at the end, you know, even though, the, <laughs> even though the next movie like retcons that and changes it to, it was just a paramedic, but that's just a fantastic moment where you're like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. And it's awesome. Cause it's one of those things in horror where it's like, how do you kill the person? And it's always like chop off his head. So yeah, it's, it's like so cool. Yeah. Does it. And she's just so badass standing there with the ax. You're like, cool. The one that always sticks out to me is that girl who gets like her leg stabbed and then crushed in like the dumbwaiter. Yeah. Ooh. And then doesn't he like hang her up? Yes. She's they hung up with like Halloween lights. lights. Yeah, yeah I love like, that. I know. It's like Michael Myers is so crafty. 
<laughs> he's very DIY. He has an Etsy shop. He always, he can't just leave a dead body. He's got to turn it into a decoration somehow. So. Like in the newest one with like the jack-o'-lantern head. Yeah, which like is so today. cool. It's very so cool. It's very Ed Gein of him just turning yeah. bodies into artwork. Yep, he has the time, you know. Yeah, and I did, <laughs> I also watched the other uh, night, the original Dawn of the Dead revisited oh, that uh and that is just again i mean i don't have to tell anybody it's george romero's masterpiece you know it's just a great zombie movie uh, it feels i feel like it hits even harder now well really any zombie movie does but one with a social commentary like that during time of you know covid and all this where you're like oh yeah the talking heads on tv screaming at each other about the zombies and uh people arguing about like do we work together do we you know all of that social commentary hits pretty hard when you have a real life uh, pandemic going on. So. so Jeremy, if you had to save and kill Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead, oh, which wow. one do you save and which one do you kill? Oh man. Before it was the, which one is the least of the worst, but now of the best. The best which, of the best, I know. Yeah. And, and they're so, they're both so good. Um, and that's hard. And I feel like my answer will probably change every time I watch them. Right now, I'm going to say, I'm going to say I saved Dawn of the Dead and kill Night of the Living Dead. And that's probably just because I just rewatched Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> Ask me again and my answer will probably change like weeks from now. But Now, when Night of the Living Dead came out, movies were in color, right? It was a, an artistic choice to make it in black and white. I, I believe it was art, possibly artistic and I think it might have been motivated by money that they couldn't afford color hmm. uh, film stock. And I'm sure all the effects were much cheaper in black and white. Yes, I think that was like a huge factor in it. Were you the one telling me about them, like what they were eating, like the dead people and some people, like they were really eating something gross and people got like sick from it? Maybe, I think we've talked about that. Yeah, I know they used real like animal guts for a lot of those scenes. Like they'd go to, you know, cool. your local your local butcher and get the tripe and stuff like that and just be like, here, <laughs> eat that, Who wants guys. to gnaw on this? Yeah. <laughs> we'll give you an extra $10. Yeah, they did it again in um, Dawn of the Dead too. There's the scene where the one biker gets his guts ripped out oh, and you're yeah. like, oh, that's just real animal intestines that they're all like throwing around. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, gross. And then I'm like, I'm hungry. Oh, that's <laughs> like when I see that, like I can remember hunting as a kid, which I did. Uh -huh. Like I went a few times with my dad, never out of like me being like, I want to go hunting, but my dad wanted me to try everything and I can yeah. make my own choices. So I definitely went hunting a few times and I just, that smell ugh, of like the deer's carcass being like, yeah, tore open in our garage. Oh, ugh, yeah. Makes my mouth water in a bad way. <laughs> I don't come from a hunting family. Uh, so I never had that experience, but uh, relatives and like friends, families, I do remember seeing the deer being like field dressed at, you know, uh, people's houses and stuff that they brought back. And um, I was intrigued. So I'm a sicko, I guess. I'm like, huh, we're all just mush inside. Weird. <laughs> and I was like, I'm hungry. So. <laughs> Give me a burger. Give me a burger. So it never bothered me. So I got that, you know. Uh, a little bit Leatherface going on. Meat is meat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Besides Dawn of the Dead, what else did you watch this week? And mm. Friday the 13th. Um, I, and I've been hitting up some of the, um, the universal classic movies. Uh, the Wolfman, Frankenstein beats the Wolfman. Uh, actually, after we're done recording, Sarah and I are going to a uh, 
a special screening at the Masonic Temple of the original Mummy with Boris Karloff this afternoon. Oh, fancy. So that'll be cool to see. Um, that's one of my fa- personal favorites from the Universal uh, uh, Library, of course. Um, I, 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 you were saying that uh, I can't remember if we recorded it or if it was off air, as you say, that you had watched Dracula with Bella Lugosi. I was just going to bring it up. Right. It was off air. But yep, I watched Dracula. Yeah, I would recommend to them the mummy. Um, they're they're similar. Uh, the the mummy feels like a good follow up to Dracula, like when you put them against each other. Are there other Universal monster movies that don't have any music like Dracula, or very little music? I don't. I think all the others did. Okay, because it did well. And they were like, let's put some music behind this. Now. Yeah. Well, part of the story, as I understand it, is Dracula with Bela Lugosi is the first major uh production uh horror production that was a talkie a sound film it was the first one done in america that makes Uh, sense and they didn't yet uh you know understand the medium yet so that's why there was no music because they were used to still having the film play with a live like organist playing along to the movie um they hadn't quite wrapped their head around like oh, we can just put the music in the film and it's already there. Like soundtracks wasn't mm. yet a fully developed idea. I see. So allegedly when Dracula was screening for audiences, there was still a live musician playing some sort of prepared music along to the movie. What was most fascinating is whenever there was a scene of someone getting bit or anything, any of the violence happening, like it just cuts away so soon before it happens. Yeah. And I just thought, oh my God, would people have like been freaking out if they saw him like bite someone's neck? Would people have just been like, oh my God, and like fainting in the aisles and running from the theater? <laughs> it, it seems like it. I mean, the story is that the original Frankenstein, which came out the same year as Dracula, uh, like people literally, they say fainted in the aisles, like seeing the monster revealed for the first time and, wow. you know, attacking people. So, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I, and I enjoy Dracula. It was definitely cool. I also watched the Mortuary Collection on Shudder, which everyone has been raving about. Yeah, I, I've been hearing good reviews of it. So what was, sure. did you enjoy it? I did. I, it's probably one of my favorite, um, what are they called? Anthology? Yeah, anthology. Yep. Like up there with Trick or Treat. Like I really like Trick or Treat. But oh, Trick I, or Treat is awesome. Oh, yeah. I think it's definitely one of the best. For I think sure. it's, a, I, well, I guess it's a cult hit now. I was going to say it's underrated, but uh, I feel like it's got quite a following these days. So, yeah. But yeah, I, Mortuary Collection was awesome. It starts off pretty tame and then it kind of gets more intense as you go along. Very cool. But yeah, definitely recommend checking it out. It was really, really good. Any, uh, any other? views this week anything good nope just those two and um and some bly manor that's what i've been spending my time on anything else for you uh not that i'm thinking of right now i i'm we're hitting the home stretch here the week before halloween where i'm just gonna try and binge as much as i can and on halloween itself i'll probably be uh by the time everyone's hearing this, it'll have come and passed, but hopefully I will be satisfied with having watched horror movies all day. So um, I do want to give a little uh, shout out though. Again, by the time you hear this, it'll be a week, a couple weeks later, but I was scrolling through my Facebook feed uh, the, um, uh, on this day, you know, here's your memories. Uh, and actually the day we are recording is the two year anniversary of the passing of James Karen. Uh, who played Frank in Return of the Living Dead. Oh. 
So rest in power to James Karen. Uh, by the time you guys are listening to this, you know, uh, rewatch Return of the Living Dead again. Watch Poltergeist. He was in that as well. Uh, so uh, pay your respects. Speaking of that, also um, on YouTube, there is this series called like Scripts Gone Wild. Have you heard of this? Hell yeah. They just did Return of the Living Dead. Like, oh, I, I think I saw that. I saw the... Uh... And I just looked at the cast, like, right before we started, like, I pulled up the video, because you can still watch it. And there's, like, a Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which is a lot of fun. There's some familiar faces in there, like, the, the oldest daughter from the Connors is on there. Um, yeah. plays Kristen and someone else. And they do, like, someone, like, does an acoustic version of Dream Warriors at the beginning. And oh, cool. it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think they've done like Plan 9 from Outer Space. And... Yeah, they've done some fun ones. But they did Return of the Living Dead. But I didn't notice any of the names. But yeah, you should definitely check that out. If yeah, Scripts Gone Wild, guys. I think they do like drinking games. At least that's what they did with Nightmare on Elm Street 3. So as mm-hmm. they're reading, like they have a lot of fun with it. It's just like a Zoom call with a bunch of people. But like if there's a certain line that's said often or something that's referenced, like they'll all take a shot or yeah, yeah fun stuff yeah so uh, let's see let's let's um share some scares with each other i'm ready so who, who wants to go first you or me <laughs> i'll go first okay okay i want you to watch may may yep do you know anything about it i know the title i i, ha- I had in my brain my mind's eye is showing me uh, an image of like a pale, deathly pale white girl. Um, I think it has something to do with zombies, possibly. I think there's a romance angle or something, twisted romance, if you will. But that's it. I don't know anything about it, really, um, other than it was a big deal uh, when it came out in the indie horror world. Uh, and that's really, yeah, really, I know absolutely nothing. Just some images. Maybe it's about zombies. I don't know. That's fun. It's from 2002, so it's almost 20 years old, which is crazy. Oh, shit. Yep. <laughs> it's one of those ones in my mind that's like contemporary, you know, like, yeah. like that just happened, right? No, 20 years ago. <laughs> but I love, like, I mean, I just pulled up the poster and you're, you're on point with what you remember um, okay. in regards to the image. I won't mm-hmm. say anything else about the rest of it, but it's definitely one of my favorites that I recommend often because vast majority of people have not heard of it or seen it. Cool. I'll check it out. Yeah, you will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, here's what I'm giving you. And this is a celebrity guest uh, pick. Oh. Uh, my wife, Sarah, picked the movie for oh me my watch. goodness what is it um let me guess hocus pocus it's <laughs> <laughs> no it, she she uh was asking me like what are you gonna give him next time and she's like you should do that movie you made me watch when we were first started dating <laughs> i love um, that and it is murder party oh uh, i have wanted to see it i get i feel like i get it mixed up in my head with something else so i'll tell you what i think it is and i'm probably totally off i know that there's a movie about a bunch of people like in rehab or recovery and they meet up for something and there's and murder ensues there's something that crazy that happens and people start dying um 
so if that is wrong, if that's if I'm not thinking of the, the right movie, then I'm going to estimate that it is something along the lines of people getting together for like a murder mystery thing, but then it goes crazy awry and blood starts flying and heads start rolling and madness ensues. Maybe in the end, it was all just in jest like the game or April Fool's Day. Um, but that's, so it's one of those, either what I think it is by plot or what I'd estimate if I'm totally wrong. But I think that there's gonna be some severe gore is what I'm thinking. I think that there's gonna be some blood, a lot of blood, not some blood, a lot of it. And some cool creative kills. That's what I'm going for. But it's this is off brand for you because isn't it like within the last five years? It's a contemporary film. Uh it's in the. It was made in the two thousands. I can't oh, remember okay. the exact. I can't remember the exact year right now, and I don't have my phone near me, um, off the top of my head. I want to say it's uh, uh, two thousand seven. There you go. Yeah, oh, well, it's like right while yeah, I was in college. I remember this was a this was a deal. Oh, then uh, this is definitely not the rehab movie I was thinking of. <laughs> this, this this one was a deal. I remember in the indie like horror world. Um, I will say uh, the director of this, um, he went on to do the movie Green Room. Love uh, Green Room, which you've not seen, right? No, I've seen Green Room. Okay, I love I it so much. I fucking love Green Room. That's another one of those, you know, it's a horror thriller that throws in punk rock. I'm all about it. Oh, so Patrick Stewart, so good. So scary. Uh, and that the, sweet boy who's dead, and he's just so beautiful and so a- good. Anton Yelchin, who died because it's like car, like impaled him. A, right? a malfunction of oh, the car. A tragic so accident. He was such a promising up and coming actor. And Imogen Poot? Yeah, Imogen Poots. 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 Love her. She was so good in it. And the girl who plays maybe in Arrested Development. Yep, can't remember her name. I know, Sorry, it's so hard for Sorry me to world. Say it. Yeah. It's like a hard name, but I love her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love Green Room. And doesn't he have another film called Blue Ruin? Yes. Have you and seen that as well? Blue Ruin is also fantastic. He's he's a director. I do know he has a, uh, and if I remember, it goes Murder Party, Blue Ruin, Green Room. Uh, and then he has a fourth movie. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, our musical uh, creator, Nick Kostriba, actually keyed Nick. me into there. Thanks, Nick. He keyed me into this director having a fourth flick. It stars Jeffrey Wright in the lead that's on Netflix, I guess. And the name is escaping me. Something about darkness. Uh, but I have not watched that one, so I don't know. Um, but I, I, I know this director, he's got a, he's got a thing for uh, putting people in confined and highly violent situations. Love so, it. A pot boiler. Don't they yeah, call it something like that? Something like that. It's a great, uh, thematically, he seems to it's almost like the same theme over and over, but new ways. To <laughs> I love that. Cause extreme violence to happen. So I well, I can't it. wait because yeah, I, I obviously know pretty much nothing about it at all. I I had it mixed up with something else in my head, so I'm excited to watch it and really blindly. Hopefully, it's a revelation to you. I hope so. <laughs> well, I'm thoroughly excited and looking forward to. Checking back after we've watched these films. Yes. All right, well, I'll see you soon. I'll see you in a little bit. Okay, bye. Bye. Just sit 
Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Okay, everybody, we're back. Yes, we uh, are. Scare sharers. <laughs> Is that a new one we're trying? And on? Scare sharers. We, we, <laughs> scare share. Yeah, sure. I don't, I'm just going to keep trying them until something sticks. Uh, but yeah, we, we watched the movies, guys. So We sure ready. did. We each have a new horror movie under our belt. Another notch mm-hmm. in the post. Whatever you That's want to it. say. <laughs> we tied another one on. <laughs> <laughs> another notch in the murder post. That's right. So I guess we're going to talk about Murder Party first, right? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay. So um, going into this, I knew very little. I was wrong in my assumption of what I thought it was, which I think is Monster Party and not Murder Party. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know what? I thought this movie was effing cool. Good. I loved it so much. I loved that it was short and sweet. Like it's like an hour, 19 minutes with credit. So probably more like an hour, 15 runtime. And um, I love, it has that perfect blend of like comedy and horror that I'm a big fan of is by the same director of Green Room, which I'm a huge fan of. Green Room's a fantastic movie. It is so excellent. I know it's more horror adjacent, but it's definitely included on so many horror lists. So I, even though it's maybe more thriller, it does have that extra level of gore that I think kind of puts it into like a horror realm. Um, But I thought this movie was so awesome. And it definitely is very like Green Room, like pre-Green Room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like setting up the groundwork for for green room which is much more much more slick and polished than this is but i really appreciate um the effort and everything that was put into murder party i thought it was so much fun yeah um the, it really does feel like this is the uh practice movie for something like green room when you watch uh, this director jeremy Saulnier. I think is it. I don't know how you say his last name. I've I don't think I've ever heard it spoken by you know the man himself. Uh, if you're out there, let us know how to say your name. Is it Saunier? Yeah, is it Saunier or is it Saulnier? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, when you watch them compared to each other, you see that Murder Party feels like the student film, and then something like Green Room is like this is what he wanted to make or like has been trying to make. Have you seen the movie Blue Ruin? No, I have not. I knew that that was his film. I, I did not know that this was initially. All three of them definitely have a way of putting people in a situation and then just like, you know, turning the the heat and the volume up, you know, to see yeah, what happens. Yeah, absolutely. It, when you watch all three, it goes, uh, you know, Murder Party, Blue Ruin, Green Room. And they definitely feel like a trilogy together of similar themes of just violence and and in fact if you've never seen uh blue ruin i might throw it on the list um again it's not blue ruin's probably less of a horror movie than green room or murder party are but it it has the same feel so i would say it's horror adjacent like the things that happen in it are horrific enough i think that a horror fan would be into that movie um I, i think blue ruin falls into that um 
the horror adjacent exploitation category what do they call them revenge movies revenge mm-hmm. like exploitation flicks that okay. falls into i would say it falls into something like that it's really interesting how many of the characters have their same names yeah as, just like, the name of the actor names. but it's <laughs> yeah. weird because the character who played sky like her name is sky as well but it's spelled differently than it is as her character's name which is so weird yeah like, weird <laughs> i noticed that when i was reading the cast list i was like oh um i love the lead guy in this chris oh my gosh something uh yep. and it looks like this is the only movie he's really done i see a couple like extra like featured work and a couple other things but this is like his only thing um which is a shame because he was great i would see another i would see another horror movie or two with him in the lead because he's very uh he doesn't do a lot i mean it's kind of a minimal performance but that was perfect for this character and for this movie so um and uh, the the gang of art uh you know, the murder party. They're trying to make murder into art, art into murder. Uh, I knew these people when I was in <laughs> film school. Uh, oh, I, God, knew, really? I knew all of these people. You know what I mean? Like it was so, <laughs> I related to it so hard. Uh, I remember the first time I saw this, as soon as they showed up, I was like, man, these people were in all my classes that were like, I just want to make my art and it's going to be the greatest thing ever. Uh, and, uh, and they hate everything else where they're like, I can't enjoy anything anymore because uh, I'm just so bitter now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've met these people before. So uh, that, and, and of course it's in Brooklyn. Because anyone that's spent any time in Brooklyn, you recognize it immediately. Like yeah, Brooklyn uh, hipster trash. Like it's totally what these people are. And if for some reason you're tuning in to our podcast for the very first time, first of all, hello, welcome. Second of all, spoilers abound in the second section. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I just kind of launched into that. (laughs) No, you didn't get into it yet. I wanted to talk about some things that are a little spoilery. So I think what you said was fine. So if by this point you haven't seen Murder Party, go back and watch it or go out and watch it and then come back and listen to the rest of this. Um, I find it really interesting that... I mean, it's definitely saying a lot about the pretension of art and mm-hmm. of part, not of art in general, but of particular artists and the mm-hmm. lengths they'll go to create something for money or um, fame. I just want that grant. <laughs> like how, how much is it? Um, and, and then I find it so interesting that the person of among them, who's not an artist at all, Chris, our sort of um, our unlikely hero is the one who ultimately creates the ultimate artistic moment with this like the slaughtered room at the end there's blood everywhere the pumpkin on the guy's head (laughs) and everyone walking (laughs) by is like oh yes like they they're thinking this is the art (laughs) and it's like really that the non-artist among them is the one who sort of you know put his finishing touch on it and doesn't even care about it and like leaves and walks home all bloody the meter maid to boot because he is, <laughs> he is just a meter maid <laughs> just a lonely meter maid yeah and i love sir lancelot whose name the cat whose name in real life is puff snooty mm-hmm. love puff snooty um and that ending was so perfect like the ending after he gets back to his house his apartment oh my god it's just like it ended and i was like 
fuck yeah. And then the ending song, which is called Full Moon by Too Tile, Too Tight, sorry, the number two and T I T E, Too Tight, I thought was so good. At first, I thought it was a thriller cover. And then yeah. I realized it wasn't. And it was just so awesome. Just a cool 80s throwback kind of tune. But yeah, there's something to these artists all sort of unraveling and killing one another of like art will kill itself. Like art, like pretension will ultimately will be the destruction of its own thing. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. There's definitely, he's saying a lot about art and, and, you know, pretentious artists in particular. I, I wonder if that was like the crew he came out of or just, it, it was in a scene like that because it feels very uh, familiar and particular. So uh, he must've known some, some of these types of people to really get inspired with this sort of thing. Um, yeah, the beginning with the cat, uh, re-watching, I haven't watched this movie in years, so. Well, no, I guess a couple of years ago, because I made Sarah watch it, but um, I totally forgot about that beginning with the cat, where the cat won't give him his chair, <laughs> so he just leaves. Uh, and anyone that has a cat knows what that's like, because I related to that immediately, where, you know. It's their world. You just live in it. So, yeah, there's just so many beautiful, funny moments. Like there's a, a scene where they're talking about like, what, what, what should we get to eat? And it just goes around and around in a circle. And it is, I was just LOLing. <laughs> like it was that so is, funny. That is such a well-executed moment. And then he's escaped when they all turn around. Yeah. And like, yes, yes. And when he's escaping, great. he runs up, he gets on the roof and then he takes a leak. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. this is so funny. Like so funny, but the gore was so intense and mm -hmm. so wonderful. The best of it for sure was um, was the guy Macon, I think is how you pronounce his name. Yeah, Macon Blair. Yep, and hit, when his, he lit up on fire because he'd been drinking essentially like moonshine or something and it was all over him. And then his mask like melted to his face. It was so gross and so mm -hmm. awesome. And now, then also the dog who ate all the crank and then put <laughs> off Alexander's, like some of his face. Yeah, awesome. Now, Macon Blair is the um, uh, the most uh, consistent uh, partner to the director because uh, he's appeared, he's actually the lead in Blue Ruin. Uh, and then he was one of the Nazis in Green Room. Yeah, I um, think he's the only one, at least of the main group here, that's in Green Room as well. Like mm -hmm. when I was looking it up. So yeah, and he's he's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's he, and I think he was in the um, the Swamp Thing uh, TV series that was oh, just. I heard it was really good on TV. Yeah, I've heard great things about it, and never I haven't been able to check it out yet. So uh, I love comics as well, uh, and specifically, I've loved Swamp Thing since I was a kid. So I don't know why I'm sleeping on this show. I need to jump on it. <laughs> uh, and I loved that original Wes Craven movie, even though it is so cheesy. I've never uh, seen it. But RIP, Wes. Uh, and yeah. maybe I'll assign you Swamp Thing. Maybe. Uh, it's not a great movie, but damned if it's not a fun movie. So The poster's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's one of the greatest posters. And they, another thing they really love in this movie is the use of the word dildo. They use it. <laughs> they say it so much. So many times. I what wish I would have counted. What a bunch of dildos. What a bunch of dildos. Like left and right, uh, like, dildos are being thrown around. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to remember too how I discovered this movie. Because uh, this is another one, like I told you with From Beyond, 
This is another like lesser known movie that if I, I ask people, have you seen Murder Party? They say, no, well, I have to force you to watch it now because you will love it. Um, it, it I, rem, I, disc, I, bleh, I don't even know. I tried to retrace my steps on the internet the other day. I just plugged in Murder Party and reviews and I was trying to just find out if some YouTuber I watched or one of the blog sites I follow years ago, did they post something about this? Um, but no, no such luck. I can't figure it out. <laughs> this just spontaneously appeared in my life. Um, I think I was in college. It had to have been shortly after it actually came out. Uh, Cause apparently this was a big flop. They made no money off of it. Um, but critics loved it because it has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes for oh, critics. Wow. Uh, I, granted, there's only like six critical reviews, <laughs> but they got a hundred percent, so that's hey, pretty good. That is uh, something. I think it screened at some film fests, and then uh, just over time, it built word of mouth. By the time it hit DVD, uh, and I know that I knew of this movie first because when Blue Ruin came out, I was like, "Oh, it's the guy that made Murder Party," so I have to see Blue Ruin. Uh, which he did that through Kickstarter, I think. That's how he got the funds for Blue Ruin. Apparently, this movie they made for no money. I can't really find much information on online about budget because they just did it uh, out of their own pockets, apparently, uh, and on their own free time. So that's just... This is one of those movies that makes me think, damn, I need to get out there because I can do this. Like, they did it. <laughs> Anybody can do it, you know? I really love how it's not there's lots of conversations being had about art and, and mm -hmm. all of those sorts of things. And I, I love how that's woven in along with the violence and everything and the blood, everything else that's happening. Like when they all take this sort of truth serum, they all like shoot each other up and they're, they're like sitting there playing like extreme truth or dare, I think is what they call it. And Lexi, who totally reminds me of Laura Dern, I think it's partially the blonde wig, but just she's so good. She's just, I loved her so much. Um, and she's talking about when there's something good, she hates it because it means that there's no room for her. Mm -hmm. She says, I used to love art and now I hate it. I want it to suck. And I just find that so interesting because I definitely know artists like that. And I'm the exact opposite, but it was just very poignant to hear someone talk about that. And I feel like she wouldn't have said that outside of, you know, the drugs that were in her system. Um, but I know what that's like too, you, when you get all high and you know, these like true feelings come out of you. And sometimes you're like a little surprised by what they are because you're not as vocal about it. Cause you don't want to admit that you're scared of another artist being better than you. And um, so, yeah, I was just really fascinated with lots of the conversations being had on top of just like a really compelling story and really interesting characters. Yeah, it's one of those things too, where you wonder about the writing process because all of this, these conversations uh, sound really natural and exactly like you're talking about, just the way they talk about art. Uh, it makes me wonder, did they like record some of their own or from memory, was he tr uh, transposing some of his own like actual conversations just onto the page? Um, because it feels very authentic and very uh, real, too real. So I said that I thought it was me about people getting together for a murder mystery party that goes awry and madness ensues. And then in the end, it would all be just in jest, but there would be a lot of gore and a lot of blood and creative kills. I was right on some of those factors. <laughs> a lot of blood. A lot of blood, a lot of gore. 
Um, madness definitely ensued. Um, but it wasn't really a murder mystery party. It was just a murder party. It was just a straight up murder party. <laughs> and it definitely was not all in jest. It was all very, very real. Um, and I just loved from the get-go that that girl falls over and hits her head after eating raisins and getting like, yeah. like just the bodies start falling from the get-go. But like all just, you know, things just start happening and people start dying. I'm trying to remember that one uh, line, William, the... Uh, dressed as the baseball fury from the warriors uh what did he say i didn't sign up for second degree assault party <laughs> so good so good so uh with that being said everybody check out murder party i mean i mean it's definitely short and sweet that's why our conversation is short and sweet on this one because really it's just a good movie see it it's got some mayhem uh check it out but that being said how many extension cords for your electric chainsaw out of five <laughs> would you give it i will give this four extension cords for my electric chainsaw. <laughs> nice because i would you give it i also give it four okay um just flat out it, it, it's it's a great movie it it's not i think green room is the better movie in the sense that that's a more mature movie but this is an amazing uh, showcase of a talent, um, you know, yet to blossom. Uh, you watch this movie and you're like, this guy has got something to say. I can tell from how creative and fun this is. Uh, and then you watch his, his proceeding or his proceeding, proceeding, proceeding movies. Uh, and you, you see that evolution where he seems to get better and more masterful uh, of the craft as he goes. So this gets a four uh, and definitely see it. Yes, um, please do. It is fantastic. Thumbs up, everybody. Yes, thank um, you for that share. I, I loved it. Good. So I guess we keep the scares sharing. <laughs> and we're going to move on to May, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yep. May we move on to May. So what'd you think of it, Jeremy? It was a trip, for sure. It was a trip, for sure. Uh, this was a movie. I'm glad I've seen it. I'll say that much. Um, I didn't know what to expect at all. It was very jarring because this is a movie uh, through most of it doesn't even feel like a horror movie. It's like, it speaks the language and uses the, uh, the lang visual language of a, uh, like a quirky early 2000s, like not romantic comedy, but uh, did you ever see Ghost World? Oh yeah. That that popped into mind as I was watching this, where I was like, if you took out the horrific shit, uh, this is something kind of like Ghost World, where it's not like a true uh, drama, but it's just like a weird movie about these people's lives. You know, it's a character study. For is sure. What it is. It's just a character study about May, who, you know, eventually turns out to be totally fucked up. But uh, uh, it, it, was, it was an interesting watch. Um, this was also a movie that I looked, it came out in 2002. So I was in high school still. Um, and I do remember some word of mouth about it as I got into college of a lot of people saying like, oh, if you want to see a fucked up movie, watch me. Um, but I never got around to it. But had I seen it then, I would have been in love with this movie. I, I, I just know the me of, you know, over a decade ago would have been obsessed with this. Uh, <laughs> uh, now it's, you know, I feel like there, there are other, um, there's so many just character study type 
flicks like this out there now um, that uh, like I feel like this movie wasn't saying much per se like other than it just being it's about this weird chick uh, maybe I'm missing it I don't know uh, but when I in the beginning I should say when I saw Lucky McKee I think is how you say his name as the director yeah. I was like oh I know Lucky <laughs> uh, I've seen some of his other stuff. So I, I was like, okay, okay, this explains why this is so weird <laughs> and out there. Because um, I have seen The Woman, uh, and that's a fucked up movie. It is, and that's a sequel to another film. Yeah, which I haven't seen the other and one. And then there's, and I can't remember the name of that. And then there's a sequel to The Woman that which, just came out like last year. Which I just discovered reading about these movies. Uh, that one's called Darlin'. Right, darling, yeah. Named after, you know, the uh, one of the girls from The Woman. Um, but yeah, no, this movie was a trip. Had some... Uh, but at the same time, I was thinking too, you know, like, May... It, it, the character May, in the beginning, she just seemed a little weird. Uh, and she just needed a friend. And I was like, I probably would have gone on a date with May uh, if I had met that chick, you know. Uh it, it, I assume they're all supposed to be about college age in this movie, uh, early twenty somethings. I'm thinking yeah, that's about seems about right. What it seems like they're supposed to be. So, like, yeah, in my early twenties, I probably would have gone on a date with May, uh, and then been like, she's totally crazy, just like Jeremy Sisto did. <laughs> um, who? Let's stop for a minute. When he popped up, I was like, he used to be in everything. He really Mr. did, Mr. Yep. Sisto. There, he was in Mr. a six feet under. Yeah, he was in so many indie films. It seemed like it was mandatory. Him and James Duvall, who also yep. shows up in this for a hot minute just to be fucking weird as hell. And like that was <laughs> that was just James Duvall's job for a while was to show up in an indie flick, deliver a weird performance, and then step out and see himself out. So <laughs> Yeah, I didn't love this as much as I did in my memory. Like I mm. saw it when it came out in mm -hmm. 2002 with Joe and Joe really liked it. We watched it in Boston. We rented it on VHS. Mm. Um, and I just remember loving it so much. And I, I mean, what I loved about it has not changed, which is Angela Bettis. I think her performance is so amazing. I find her just incredible. Like you just feel for her. Um, she makes like she moves me i she's very real and and i care for her and i feel like that's what makes it good is that like you really root for her and you want good things to happen for her as weird as she is and then once she starts killing people you already care for her so it's just like it's different than following someone who's been an asshole and starts killing people like you've just I've grown to care for her so much. And then you kind of, I don't know that you're rooting for her to kill people <laughs> and take their body parts, but, but yeah. you at least you feel a little differently. Yeah. Watching this movie. Um, I was thinking about other, uh, character, character study type films like this. So I was thinking about clockwork orange or uh, taxi driver where those are just, you follow the character. But like you were just saying, those guys are assholes from the jump. As soon as the, you know, Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver, Malcolm McDowell and A Clockwork Orange, from the get-go, they're awful. Uh, 
and the, the movie is kind of based around this discomfort of you having to watch them just be terrible and get worse. Uh, and uh, you could get into some conversation like this is trying to say something about, you know, masculinity and violence and society and the things we consume, blah, blah, blah. No, May, you start and you, you feel for her because you just want something good. It's, it's it, the performance is delivered so well that you do feel for her and you want to be friends with her and have something good happen to her. Uh, and then, but then the switch flips and she just starts killing people. Uh, so I feel like that's a little, um, it's a little different where uh, Taxi Driver, Clockwork Orange, have this bigger picture, this bigger lens. They're trying to say, you know, look at you society, you, you are the one that's fucked up. Uh, I feel like May is way more personal in that it's really just about this woman's world. And even the ending too, where uh, her dead body doll, like the hand comes up and strokes her face, which uh, I saw online. Amy. Yeah, Amy, I, I saw online some people fucking hate that ending. Like, Oh, I loved it and it freaked me out. When I watched it for the first time, I was like, oh my God, like did not see it coming. Uh, see, I, I expect I, it. I all of a sudden expected something. I was like, it's going to do something. She's going to hear a heartbeat or a noise or something's going to happen, but the hand strokes her face. Uh, and I thought that was kind of, the movie earned that moment, regardless of it. Like, did she create a Frankenstein? Did it actually come to life? Or is it all in her mind? You know, whatever. The movie earned that moment though, to finally <laughs> have her, you know, that's one thing to go right <laughs> in her life uh, is that. Um, and everything else, you know. I d also, Anna Ferris in this. Oh, I love her. I love Anna Ferris, though. The it was a it was kind of an unusual character. Um, the way it fit into the story, I don't hey, doll. know. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Doll. Duh. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> oh, I didn't kidding. either. Until right now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, right there. But no, just like uh, the way she's characterized, I don't know, and maybe I'm totally off base, um, but I am just a straight man. So I don't know how a, a, a gay woman, a lesbian woman would talk. I felt like her dialogue was just kind of like a straight man writing the dialogue he thinks that <laughs> this type of person would say, um, but I might be wrong. But I felt like th that chunk of the movie was a little wonky. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's not the most fleshed out character. It's very, her yeah, that's, is very one note. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. It, it, that's how it came off to me. And again, I was like, well, Lucky McKee wrote and directed this. Uh, I don't know anything about him. I assume he's a straight man, but um, that was him in the elevator making out with that woman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I recognized him. I was like, oh, there's Lucky. Um, but that was really my only criticism of the writing i would say other than that i was like this is a very well written movie um you, i it seems like he had a pretty uh concise idea what he wanted to do a pretty uh uh meticulous idea of what he wanted to do here the two things i'm really not much of a fan of i'm not a big fan of the sort of setup in the beginning with seeing her as a little girl and seeing her get the doll like yes we need to see her how she got susie but I just don't like all that exposition stuff. Mm -hmm. I kind of wish it would have just started with that first scene when she's like sewing or whatever. And Susie's over, like her, she's talking to the doll and you see that she has a, 
a wonky eye. Like, I just wish we'd get into it without all this, like, background stuff thrown at you in a couple minutes and, like, seeing her with an eye patch as a little girl. And then I really don't like the scenes with the blind kids. More so the scene. Me either. When the doll, like, break. Like, it's just so, I don't buy it for a second that they're all like, let me see it. That scene was so forced. So forced. And then they're all, like, crawling on the glass and the music is so stupid. I mean, it's one of, like, the moments when she cracks. Like, I mean, you know, literally. Um, like the glass breaks and she sort of starts to become unwound. But I'm just like, we could have done this in a different way. Like we didn't need to have all the blind kids like crawling all over the glass with like this like music box, stupid music in the background. Like it mm-hmm. just, there was a better way to do it. No, yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing when that scene happens. It's so jarring because it just doesn't fit the rest of the movie. Uh, I thought it was unintentionally funny. Yep. Because you have all these poor kids just overacting their hearts out. Uh, <laughs> and then it's like, let's crawl on the floor. <laughs> and you're like, oh God, like, where is this? Why is this happening? <laughs> yeah. That's not fit the tone and mood of the rest of the it movie. Does, the rest is sometimes painfully raw. Like, just like her performance and the things she does are so real and so honest and they hurt to watch sometimes just how awkward she is and it just makes you uncomfortable. Um, and then that stuff is just also forced. So I would love to strip away those two sections. I feel like it would just be a much stronger moment um, or the stronger overall product. Yeah. And uh, f- f- funny to compare this to Murder Party, which is a tight like hour and 20 minute movie uh, and it goes by at a clip. Uh, and this is hour and a half, you know, r- average length movie, but it felt long to me watching this. Uh, and I think it was things like the blind kid scenes and there was fat that they could have cut out and this would have flowed better make it just a little shorter. And I think it would have gone quicker. Yeah, because um, it takes a good hour before she starts to unwind and the blood starts to flow. And then it gets more interesting. Yes, that's what I, I the the first hour. So just her day-to-day life was starting to hit a point. She finally started killing. Uh, but as I was watching it, I'm like, wait, something needs to happen because I can't keep watching her just get hurt and hurt others. <laughs> uh emotionally i want to see some actual violence now please and then it delivered lucky mckee stated that may wouldn't exist if it weren't for amanda Plummer's character in the fisher king and i've never seen the fisher king but i want to now i have um and i don't remember her character (laughs) i love i love amanda Plummer. she's so unusual and weird yeah uh i well i should say i don't remember much about the plot of the movie, uh, other than of course Robin Williams is in it, and you know his performance is just always Robin Williams appearing in anything is always what you take away from that thing once you've seen it. So, uh, but Jeff Bridges is also in Fisher King, another uh, sort of a force of nature, you know, actor. So between the two of them, that's probably why I don't remember her uh, as well right now. Um, but I remember it being good. It's not a horror movie, so I can't assign it to you, but you know, <laughs> unless we change formats here. But Bloody Disgusting rated May number 17 in their list of the top 20 horror films of the decade hmm. from 2000 to 2010. 
what year did they what year did they write that in 2010 in 2010 or nine okay. like one of nine or ten so it was of that first chunk of the 2000s oh so i find that interesting they should reevaluate that <laughs> i mean roger ebert when it came out gave it four out of four stars that is that's a perfect score for him he he called it a horror film and something more and deeper something disturbing and oddly moving and he said that um, it has a final shot that would get laughs in any other kind of film, but May earns the right to it, and it works, and we understand it. Mm-hmm. But it, not those blind kids on the ground. <laughs> no, it, it is an oddly moving movie. I will say that she she touched me. And this came out the same year as Carrie, which she's the only good part of that television mm, remake as well. The Did TV remake, uh, I think so. I, I'm pretty sure. Not good. Yeah. It, it sounds I, when I see images of it and when I think about it, I'm like, I have to have seen it because I watched like every Stephen King, you know, TV thing that came out. So I, I think I've seen at least parts of it. Don't remember it at all. It totally evaporated from my brain. But like this, I feel like her performance in Carrie is what makes it so good because, mm-hmm. again, she's kind of like a raw nerve. You just like feel for her and she's so honest and real. She doesn't feel like acting. It just mm-hmm. feels very, very honest. Yeah. And so that's why Carrie is worth watching is for her. But for her performance. It was also a setup because they wanted to do a TV show. So it ends. Horrible. Oh, okay. One of those. Yeah. But Wasn't a big, en- not enough ratings. So it <laughs> didn't nope. happen. But I love Angela Bettis and she just, um, she's in a new movie that just came out like in the last month or so called 12 Hour Shift. And I've hmm. not watched it yet, but I'm going to. I think I heard good things about it. Yeah, I feel I've heard mixed things, but mixed I'll things. make my own decision. Yeah, I thought I saw a couple good reviews floating out there, but I'm not sure anymore. And one other point of interest, um, she, Angela Bettis, directed a movie called Roman, which is sort of this movie in reverse. And Lucky McKee is the lead in that. And it's hmm. a similar sort of story, but like just reversed. Like with so, a male, like a male antagonist, protagonist, sorry. Um, and like sort of, I, I can't remember. I watched it once, but I know it's sort of a version of this, but in reverse. And she directed oh. it and he's the actor in it. I thought you meant like reversed where like it's about a dead body doll that is <laughs> comes to life and it finds a person to be its friend. No, just a similar like, you know, you're following this male lead who's kind of in love mm-hmm. with like trying to find a girl and, you know, he's weird, that sort of thing. I just remember not liking it. Yeah, because the reverse of this, I just feel like doesn't play as well because- no. There's already a million movies about creep ass men, uh, yep. and it <laughs> there's not that that well is pretty uh, far uh, mined at this point. I'm mixing metaphors here, but you know, <laughs> mining wells. Lucky McKee also directed The Woods. Did you ever see that with Patricia Clarkson and someone else? That one um, no, it doesn't sound familiar. It looked so good when I saw the trailers, and I remember it just being so bad but i keep reading about it in modern times people saying like it deserves another chance so Mm. i'll probably give it another look at some point because it's about like a girl's school in like the 60s or the 50s and it just looks so cool 
like they're the woods come to life there i don't know there's some weird shit going on i just remember feeling like what the fuck is going on here and not in a good way yeah uh lucky mckee really all i can because I, I, I feel like i've seen another couple of his movies um but the only thing that left an impact on me is the woman uh which i saw that when it came out so i remember liking the experience because you know it's a movie that hits you like a ton of bricks oh yeah because i went in knowing nothing about it i just had a friend uh tell me like there's this movie on netflix the woman like you love messed up movies watch it so i just popped it on was like holy cow uh pollyanna mcintosh is a great so good great actor um and angela bettis playing a kind of against type in it yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. She was she was in that as well. Um, Angela Bettis is one of those uh, I can never remember her name, but see her and stuff, and it's like, oh, uh, you know, she she definitely has a type, which is the weird girl, of course, usually per yeah. May, but um, she's very good, very very good. I wish the woman would have been directed by a woman. I think it would feel a little less exploitative. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, I like it a lot, and I, I like where it goes, ultimately. And, like, you really cheer for her to, like, fucking kill the, the dad and, like, get seek her revenge and mm-hmm. get her own. But it it just feels like I just wish it had been directed by a woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's definitely, because of that, it's one of those movies where uh, you more quietly champion it. Because like, <laughs> it, it gives it just a little sleazier edge where you're like, I only give this recommendation to the hardcore, like, (laughs) you know, you're looking for morally (laughs) bankrupt entertainment. Watch this. Had it been, like you say, directed by a woman, I think it would carry a little more message. Yeah. uh, A little more weight behind it, maybe, because as it stands, I feel like Lucky McKee in general is a little bit exploitative is what his body of work feels like. Um, Because again, I wonder, this movie may had it been done by a woman, what uh, what would that have done to it? What would that have done to the narrative? Would it feel uh, any different? Um, would the blind kid still have been in it? I don't know. <laughs> um, so out of how many severed perfect hands? Perfect hands. How many out of five would you give this? Uh, I kind of... After I watched it, I had one idea in my hand, in my head, the score I would give this. Uh, and then I kind of have been stewing on it for the last couple of days and I'm just keep hacking away <laughs> stars at it. Um, but I'm going to give it three, a uh, solid three. I think it was worth a watch. I would say at least watch this movie once. I don't know if I'll ever revisit it. This was one of those movies where watching it once through, uh, I was like, that was cool. I uh, don't know if I'll ever be in this mood again to, you know, seek this out and sit through it. Um, but definitely worth the experience, I think. I'd give it three and a half. So one of those hands is chopped in half, like right in between, you mm-hmm. know. It's just got a couple fingers. Yeah. A couple fingers on it. <laughs> so it's not really the perfect hand anymore. Um, but it's I give half it three and a half. And prior mm-hmm. to watching it, I would have said it was a four or a four and a half. And then revisiting it, I was like, yeah. I don't love it as much as I used to. I still love her, but I don't love it. I love, I love the character. This is one of those 
because uh, every so often you come across a movie like that where there's characters you love or a scene you love, but the rest of it is just eh. Yeah. And you wonder, like, could I transplant her into another movie? Um, what could we do with it? You know, something bigger. Like, you know, uh, May meets Jason. I'm thinking <laughs> May goes to outer space, you know. Freddy versus May versus Jason. <laughs> yes. She could oh, be Freddy's girlfriend. And by the way, you said you thought it had something to do with zombies and that it would be a twisted romance. You're for sure right on the twisted romance. Yeah, and not so much zombies. Of, sort she, of. She kind of made a zombie, I guess, if you is think Amy about a it. Zombie, maybe. Yeah. She made a dead body doll, which I think is cooler than just a plain old zombie anyway. It's true. So. There's not enough fucked up dolls nowadays. I mean, we have Chucky. We have Annabelle. She's boring. Yeah, that's boring. And Chucky's just a possessed doll. They're, you know, that's good enough. But I'm talking, you know, just a doll doll. And it's weird. Not enough <laughs> of those. There used to be a bunch of movies with weird dolls in them. Now where'd they all go? Make some more of them. Did you notice that her last costume, like on Halloween, May's costume is like Susie's costume? Yeah. Like it's like a similar that, yeah. dress. I, I didn't notice that, that cool. until this go around. I thought um, that was cool. I found a, con you know how we're always looking for connections in our movies? Yes, what's your connection? So I have two. One okay. is body parts in freezers or coolers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Because the one girl, she, Sky, the one who's the cheerleader who dies from the raisins, they stuff her in the freezer. They stuff her in the freezer. And But the second more potent connection is that they're both fucked up art projects. Oh, that's right. If you look at Amy as kind of a fucked up art project that gets put together by May, all these body parts to create this mm -hmm. friend who will, you know, yeah. look at her for who she is. And then, you know- The murder party. The murder party. They're like trying to murder someone to create great art. So yeah. fucked yeah. up art projects. Yeah, Amy was like uh, arts and crafts with Leatherface. Uh, <laughs> yep. Is really what that was. I had another connection, uh, which was, both of these movies use Halloween as a plot point, but are not actually about Halloween. I didn't even think of it, but you're right. They both take place like a large, the most important part on Halloween night. And this is oh. happening for us pre-Halloween, for you post-Halloween. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder if subconsciously we're still just amped for Halloween to show up. But, but I don't think either one of us chose our movies because of that. I forgot. No, I did. Actually. I did too. I mean, I, I, I knew Murder Party had a costume party, but I wasn't thinking about like, oh yeah, it's about a Halloween party. I didn't even think about that. The first so shot crazy. is of a pumpkin getting smashed. So, yep. you know. Uh, yeah, there you go. Well, good times. Halloween movies that are not actually about Halloween. <laughs> well, that was fun. I'm glad I rewatched May and I probably will never watch it again. Mm -hmm. um, but you know what? I think I definitely will watch Murder Party again. That's for sure. Yeah, Murder Party's got some, it's just fun. It's yep. a good movie you can throw on and just have, you're hanging out with people, put it on and, you know, let them watch it. Uh, <laughs> but May, uh, we'll never watch it again, but you should watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's worth checking <laughs> it's, it's out. Worth, it's worth a watch. It's just an intense, raw movie. Make sure you're in the, you're not in a delicate headspace when you watch <laughs> this thing. Um, right. If you're a very lonely person, you probably shouldn't watch it. But, <laughs> and if you are lonely, reach out to us. We'll be your friend. Don't That's make right. a dead body you know doll. What? Send us an email, scaringissharing at gmail.com. 
hit slide into our DMs on Instagram, scaring us, sharing. Just, you know what? Follow us, rate us, love us, hate us. Do what you're going to do with us, but we're glad you're here. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yo. Well, this was fun, and I'm excited to be back next week to watch something new that I've never seen before. Yeah. I wish I had any idea what I'm going to assign you, but we'll find out. We sure the fuck will. As always, everybody, keep sharing those scares. Because scaring is sharing. Watch more horror movies. That's right. Thank you. Bye. See you later. Bye.